millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Hello and welcome to the Broad Japan Podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how the devil are you today? Oh, good morning, somewhere close to Sendai. I'm reporting <laughs> live from Stakhanov, or rather Stack headquarters. Forgot about the rebrand briefly there. It's been a busy week for me. I've uh, I've rebranded my, my own life by uh, moving house completely. And uh, wow. I did it uh, by just renting a van and getting a friend to uh, help me move. And uh, yeah, it's stupid, stupid idea. Never do that. Never. Do. If you are considering getting your own van, saving a bit of money from uh, not using a removal, Firm. So much dust in my life right now, Chris. So much dust in my life. Um, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. It is a nightmare. Um, my legs are completely bruised oh, to God. bits. Um, I'm stressed out. I'm tired. I'm irritable. Uh, but but all the stuff is in the new house. All the stuff is in the new house. I'm now in in in, in Essex. I'm a fully paired up member oh, of the no. Essex community. And, what are you um, thinking, P? Of all the places, I in know, the UK, right? How would you describe Essex <laughs> to people around the world listening in that don't know what it is? It's it's where all the Cockneys went in the seventies. That's exactly what Essex is. I I'm from Kent, which is from just yeah. across the uh, the Thames estuary, and uh, you know Essex is like a different world. Whenever I go to Essex, someone threatens to beat me up, and I've been to Essex three times right. and almost got into three fights. And I'm not a violent man. I've never got into a, like a fight in my life. It's just <laughs> Essex culture. And I'm sure some of our Essex listeners will prove me wrong, but um, yeah. well done. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed yeah. you did it without a company. You're a brave man, Pete. A brave man <laughs> well, indeed. Well, I think, um, so our friend Wes uh, helped us and it was, it was a relatively big van, but we still need to do um, three different trips uh, thanks to my, um, thanks to our willful uh, lack of wanting to throw any beds in the bin. I said, let's just throw some beds in the bin. <laughs> No, let's keep the beds. I was like, we don't need this many beds. We've got like four beds. And we're not starting a hostel. We're not starting a a, a cheap love hotel. More on them later. We're not doing it. So we don't need this many uh, beds. So, uh, But all the beds... Are, are here in the new house, and I've I've got to put them together. That's I mean, what's going to be happening. Why have you uh, got with, so many beds? Life. Why so many know. beds? I don't know. I don't know. Because when you combine two households, you know, got loads of beds kicking around. <laughs> it's just for what if, what if people want to stay. Well, you know, 
It will. Um, there, there's no one I know in my life, in my little black book or my little um, telephone book, that would wouldn't be fine with sleeping on a, a bloat mattress. It's just not a fit. Like there, there's not a single person who wouldn't sort of go. You know what, Pete? I'll be fine on the bloat mattress or the sofa. I it's know, absolutely Pete. fine. I, uh, I can't say I'm overly keen on a bloat mattress myself. I'm a bit of a snob. Because <laughs> you're from to, Kent, mate. I'm a snob. Yeah, I'm, I'm, when it comes to beddery, <laughs> yeah, which is a word I think I've just made up. If you think about the uh, Pac-Man, if you think about the estuary coming from London, uh, the Thames flowing out to the sea. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the, the the geography of, of our unlovable little island, um, Essex is the top of Pac-Man's mouth, and Kent <laughs> is at the bottom of uh, Pac-Man's mouth. It's his bottom lip. Um, so that's bit, that's where Chris is from, uh, and Essex is where I'm residing right now. So we're very much. Um, we're like rival schools, aren't we, really? It's like a Persona 5 uh, side mission. Persona 5. Well, I'm going to... Persona 5. When I come back, I'm going to go to the Thames Estuary and shout across the river at you and throw things. There's rocks. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting hearing the nightmare you went through moving house because when people move house in Japan, they get these companies in, right? And they cost mm. an arm and a leg. I think they cost like $10,000 million yen. Right. But they do the most incredible job. And they'll come in and they'll look at your apartment and they'll draw a map of how your apartment looks. And they'll come and look at your bookshelf and look at where all the books are, where all the items are. They'll take photos. Wow. And then once they move it all, and they do it with boxes and bags and, you know, they'll, they'll do it with such painstaking skill. Mm. They'll deliver it to your new place and then they'll set it all up as it was in your previous apartment. Like book. I don't want right that place. though. I, I, I want to find stuff I've not looked at for about 10 years and go, ooh, look at that. Maybe that could take pride of pace on the Well, I'm sure the they've got a randomizer. And my partner option. says, no way. They probably just do what you want. Take my things. Redo they've it put, in your own vision. They've put the oregano in the bath. <laughs> Why have they done this? <laughs> Good God. Well, well done. Well done on moving. I, uh, mm. You've achieved the art of moving house. I've achieved an almost top 10 hit on iTunes. So what do you think about that? Chris, I was astounded by this. I was like, how has this happened? Is the hit parade, is the other charts really in such disarray that you're able to (laughs) game the system by getting a few downloads and then suddenly you're a a top 10 single uh, selling artist? What's going on? Well, so remember the old song, Too Much Volcano? And I'm sure many mm. of you guys listening, we, in the second, yeah, in the second week of Journey Across Japan, we had to make a song. And we made a song, Too Much Volcano. Joey did the lyrics. Natsuki did the chorus. ASO, Too Much Volcano. Formidably catchy song. <laughs> Can't get out your head for at least three days. And then we thought, well, it's been pretty popular, very well received. Why don't we put it on iTunes and Spotify? And there's a company, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but you pay like $20 and they'll put it on right. every single like sound platform. You upload the artwork and the title and the artist, and then they do mm. it. And it went up on iTunes. I promoted it across social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and whatnot. And then somebody sent me a photo saying, holy crap, it's in like the top think, 30 or something, the top 25. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Top 25 alternative songs. And I was like, oh, that's kind of good. But not like, <laughs> that's not like a wow moment. That's kind of, a, oh, that's cool. And then I yeah. shouted that out. I was like, oh, we're at top 25 alternative songs, along with various classics like Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. People still buy that. <laughs> They've never left. I never left it, did it? Everyone loves that song so much. No. Um, some sort of Coldplay song that I don't care for. And then, because I shouted it out again, I think a lot of people went, wait a minute, if we buy this, it will go up hmm. the charts. And so everyone started buying it around the world. And then I just got this onslaught of photos from all these different countries. 
Uh, so like in the UK, it was like number five on the alternative music chart. And I think it, it got to number 14 overall on the kind of overall singles chart of iTunes. Mm. So I don't know how many people bought it. I think it, it must be, <laughs> it could be anywhere between, you know, four to 10,000 people. It could be more than that. I haven't a clue. Unfortunately, yeah. you don't find out how well the song's done. Uh, for three months on iTunes, they don't tell you for three months. Right. Okay. So one day in September, I'll be sitting in a room eating some fried chicken, head down, depressed, life's not going too well, and then I'll get a little email from iTunes being like, "By the way, here's your, here's the result of your single. Go and buy something." So yeah, I'm, I'm, it's quite exciting. It's quite fun, but uh, it's just it's just a bit of wacky fun. Although it didn't still help yeah. me. Get a Twitter verification badge, so it was all oh, worth Chris, a worthless really, This has been two. How long have we done this podcast? <laughs> this has been two years in the making. You gotta chill out, man. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Well, the, the thing is, the thing about Twitter is that they do confirm the weirdest people, and I clue myself on that. But you know, there are people who. You know, I, I, there'll be, um, you know, kind of algorithmic quirks of the system that people will get um, uh, confirmed before other people. Um, and so I think if it's more, you're more of an outlaw not to be confirmed. You're just more of an outlaw, mate. Don't you're not worry an about eye. It. No, I'm not accepting that. That's <laughs> nonsense. I, I want that Twitter verification badge. <laughs> what do I have to do, Pete? I sent them like my Wikipedia page, which is awkwardly and scarily, mm. painstakingly detailed and knows everything. Um, although weirdly, mm. the Japanese Wikipedia page for Born in Japan is formidably detailed. Like it's really quite scary. Really? Like the detail is wow. incomprehensible. Um, but um, what do I have to do? And I, I you know, what? I've, I've, I've like three hundred million views. Wikipedia, yeah. an it, iTunes chart topping hit. What more do I need? <laughs> Give me my badge, <laughs> bastards. Sorry, mate. I'm so, I'm sorry having to go through this emotional. I mean, and, and you know, people will look back at 2020 and 2021 and sort of go, this was the real issue. <laughs> that was the real malaise of the world. That was the real problem, I would say. Chris not getting verified on a, a social media um, input system that, that may not exist in 10 years' time. Um, I would say, Chris, the thing that upset me the most was uh, uh, I played my partner uh, the Too Much of Volcano uh, song oh, yeah. and... And uh, she said, "Who's that? Who's that good-looking guy? Who's the good-looking guy? Who's the good-looking guy?" I wasn't even in the song. What you know? I wasn't in the song. Yeah, exactly. Joy, Joe, the anime man, the good-looking guy. And, and good it's guy. not until it's one of those things. It's not until someone says that someone's handsome that you start realizing, oh, they're handsome. You have like <laughs> this kind of eureka moment where you sort of go, oh, they're quite good-looking, aren't they? And it does. It takes someone else to say it before you actually notice. You go, oh, fair news. Good, good news. I like news, to think that so, she was referring to Natsuki, to be honest. She was and his rugged. Yeah, well, she, I did. I did say, "Hang on, who do you mean?" And she went, "The bloke who isn't Natsuki." <laughs> <laughs> the bloke that wasn't Natsuki. That's rude. That's a diss, oh, isn't it? Oh, he looked pretty Ooh. cool with the sunglasses on. I was. He did. He did. I, I was gutted. I didn't make it into that music video. I don't know why I didn't put myself in anywhere, <laughs> like even a cameo. But if you look closely into Natsuki's sunglasses and slow the video down. You. you can see me like running backwards and forwards with the camera and doing everything. So I live on <laughs> in Natsuki sunglasses. And of course, smashing. This week on Journey Across Japan, we had the uh, the tiny the tiniest Tory gate in the country which I got stuck inside. Yeah. Then I was worried. And I it was a <laughs> it was a genuine moment of terror when I was in the shrine and I was yeah. like what have I done? I could I could see I could see uh, there must be an angle grinder on site just in case. <laughs> Just in like, case someone... It's a concrete a shrine. It's concreted to the ground. If you get stuck, yeah. you're absolutely stuffed. And I was genuinely yeah. worried. But 
got through the damn thing and I, I discovered the secret and this is one thing to take away from the podcast today if you want to go through the tiniest shrine in all of japan and perhaps the whole world you have to go in on your back and it gets it gets very easy very fast and i beat natsuki mm. and then of course you had to go into the haunted creepy cave filled with horrible insects that we don't have in the uk <laughs> uh, house centipede the house centipede don't, don't want to spoil it for anyone <laughs> it's that's that makes it sound nice though but what when you see it it looks like a creature from alien it wasn't pleasant so big it was so, horrible. so rangy long 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 multiple legs and i don't smashing it was horrible but i don't know what i'd rather do go on the horse again or go in the cave because i went on the horse and <laughs> the horse like nearly killed me and I, I yeah i don't know how i feel about horses now have you been <laughs> I on think, a horse i think there's a point I've been on a horse. I think we've spoken about it before. I did all right. The, the man said I was a bit of a natural. I, I, I don't mind a horse. I used to get chased by them every morning uh, running to school. Um, natural, that's what he said. That's what the man said. Um, he was an actor uh, on Hyde. I sort of went um, on a horse around Hyde Park uh, because I'm a king and uh, for, for, for a radio sponsorship. And the man said I was natural. Uh, but he also said that he um, he was like a, a, a sort of jobbing actor and he was very mm. upset that um, he... Uh, he doesn't understand why horse scenes, um, why they don't just get actual horse riders to do the acting. And I was like going, well, unless the whole film is set on a horse, the acting <laughs> bit is the most important bit rather than the than, than the horsey bit. That's a fair point. That's a fair, <laughs> ridiculous comment. Good God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I did it. I didn't really... I don't know if, yeah, I don't think I'd do it again. Like, I got on the horse and it, I was really annoyed. That, as I've said before, like... Joey Natsuki got the good horses. I got the the young untrained one. I was the first. Mm. I was the only one that hadn't been on a horse. And I got on it and it looked at me. The moment I sat on it, it knew something was wrong. The way I like held it or pulled at the reins. Like it knew. <laughs> held it. It was dealing with someone who had not trifled with a horse before. And he looked at me <laughs> as if to say, fuck right off. Get off me now. Yeah. So Get I off. know. But not going to do it again. And then the Dutch theme park, which to be fair was genuinely incredible. Like, uh, you know, Japanese theme parks, the themed stuff can often leave a lot to be desired. It could be quite plasticky yeah. and a bit cheap. But House Ten Boss, this theme park in just outside of Nagasaki, it's incredible. incredible. The level of detail is astonishing. And the villa that you stay in, like it looked just like a – well, it looked like a European house. I can't say Dutch house because yeah. I've never been in a Dutch house. But <laughs> it looked European. Which was impressive. I've never been in a Dutch oven. Um, Natsuki was <laughs> hilariously, um, hilariously sort of obsessed with the fact that all of the um, the appliances, the, the the phone and like the the lamp and stuff, they were all Japanese or both or all Chinese. Um, like he he should be told that that's what our houses are actually like <laughs> in Europe. All of our stuff is Japanese. All of our stuff is from Taiwan. <laughs> Although he did, I remember he picked up that he picked up a clock on the. Uh, bedside table which was made by Seiko the Japanese company is like oh mm. a Japanese a Japanese clock in a Dutch house <laughs> what is this treachery but he, he loved it it was his favourite thing but uh, oh it was great news yeah, it was, good, it was a good episode but uh, next the next one we got coming up we go to this the biggest abandoned island in Japan and while we mm. I don't think we did a whole lot in terms of challenges there was no caves there wasn't a Cessna there wasn't a hit iTunes music soundtrack but there was just the most incredible scenery and the most incredible location and a lot of cats. Mm. The island just has loads of cats. So <laughs> you got that to look forward to in the next few days. And now let's have story of the week. We've got a story here. No, we don't. We've skipped the story. <laughs> the story was <laughs> the story was I got an iTunes hit. And that is yeah, the best well story done. of the week. And well done and thank you to everyone that went out and bought it. Um keep keep buying yeah. it. 
I think I think the moment's Fantastic. passed. I think we've lost out. It's a shame you don't work for Absolute Radio anymore. That would have been the big moment. I know. You could have put it on a Absolute, British national uh, yeah. radio station. So I mean, British national. <laughs> you've got to be careful using the words British national. British national radio <laughs> station. <laughs> it just sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, good God! But uh, oh. we've got a story this week um, that is rather unusual. Something. I mean, yeah, okay. Unique service lets you rent fat people by the hour. That's the title mm. of the headline. Now, over the years, I've talked about being overweight in Japan. There's a big stigma against it. There is a bit of a – there used to be a, a, a kind of a fat tax, the Metabo law, where they would find companies where employees were uh, overweight. But now there's a service where you can hire overweight people for 2,000 yen, about $18 per hour. Um, and the, because overweight people are so rare in Japan – Companies have started wanting to use them in modeling campaigns and things. Uh, so this company <laughs> called Debukari allows virtually anyone to rent a fat person by the hour. Apparently, fat people over 100 kilograms are somewhat of a rarity in Japan. And the entrepreneur behind the service thought that making them available via an online service would be a great business opportunity. Um, it's operated by Mr. Bliss. The same is that his actual name, Mister Bliss. The same Mr. guy Bliss. who founded a plus size fashion brand called Qzilla. Um, <laughs> you don't want the word Zilla in there, do you? Weirder Good and weirder. God. Good God! Um, but apparently, he was struggling to find plus size models for his clothing brand, and he found a talented. He founded a talent agency for overweight people in 2017, and around 45 people, mostly customers of Qzilla, registered as soon as the recruitment announcement was made. Uh, it seems to be like he's. It's. It doesn't seem to be too derogatory. Um, he says that the term "fat" is not used in a derogatory manner when regarding its service. On the contrary, it should be considered positive and empowering. Plus size people uh, considering applying for debukari should have absolutely no problem with being called overweight. Um, another mandatory condition would be to weigh over a hundred kilograms. So you've just got to be over eighteen and be over a hundred kilograms, which apparently is very yeah. rare in Japan, um, and also. People that do get hired, so if you are overweight and you get hired for 2,000 yen, you get all the money, apparently. You get the entire fee, and Debu Curry earns commission through its corporate corporate clients in another manner. So oh. imagine if this service existed in the UK. Everyone could profit. Like, everyone in my family would suddenly have a another alternative <laughs> means of income. What do you make of it all, Pete? Ridiculous or yeah. altruistic brilliance? Well, look, I mean, I, th- I think uh, finding plus size models for agencies is uh, increasingly important. I think, um, you know, you've been away for a little while. I think if you if you came back to London and looked at the uh, models that are being used in uh, in London for the um, like the the tube adverts and stuff for Boohoo or fashion uh, mm. emporiums, H and M and stuff, I think you'd be surprised at uh, at the change in body shape. It's fantastic. Um, and you know, but there's always been these kind of uh, kind of you know, back in the days, probably wasn't as as well respected. Or they certainly didn't get quite as much work. They would get like you know different, interesting looking people, uh, mm. different looking people. Um, you know, heavily tattooed people, people who who had an iconic look, but you wouldn't sort of say they were um, classically kind of um, handsome or beautiful. Uh, but they had this kind of very very interesting look, and you, you know, see it all the time. These kind of um, these kind of it, it, it girls and boys where mm, they just kind mm. of they just got this certain look. Um, but they're never, you, you would never call them handsome, you just call them incredibly interesting looking people. Uh, so, yeah, it's always been around. I, I, you know, I thought if I didn't look like the world's most generic man, I was like, I could do the, like they used to call it 
I think I think it was just called Ugly. Uh, there was a, there was a London based agency. It was just ugly people. It, you know, it was just interesting looking people. But I think I think the agency was called Ugly. Um, and a couple of my mates did a bit of work for them and stuff. I could do. I could be ugly. I could do. I'd, but that would be the most upsetting thing that you weren't uh, big too. You weren't big enough for the plus size thing, and you were and you were too big for the for the usual sized modelling. Either way, there were some <laughs> find some some way to fat shame you or skinny shame you. I feel, well, I feel like there's been a bit of a cultural shift in Japan over the years where it's become, I don't want to say trendy, but it's become more acceptable to be overweight. I remember there's that idol group, mm. Chubbiness, we talked about, where the girls are all slightly overweight. Um, still right. not particularly overweight by UK standards. Like BMI seems to be quite different in Japan from my experience, BMI rates. But um, I think one, one fact, I mean, Japan's biggest comedian, Naomi Watanabe, she's overweight. Um and very much popular, never stood in her way. I think the fact they, they call them fat models is <laughs> the wrong way of going about it, maybe. We use the term plus size, don't we? But uh, yeah. the service is debukari, and debu is kind of, it doesn't mean like fat. It means almost like a joking way of saying fat. Oh, like so, debu-debu, kind of like the sort yeah. of Yeah, oh, so oh, I oh. don't know. I, th- I feel like maybe they've chosen the wrong word there. They could probably think up a, a more flattering uh, what? But I know it's an interesting, an interesting way. I think the article has done a good job of making what seems like the more the more we dig into this, the more it just seems pretty normal, right? The idea of hiring a plus size model seems pretty normal. Yeah. It's just the way the article's been written. Unique service lets you rent fat people by the hour. In that case, mm. I mean that is just that is just how modelling works, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you rent or acting, you just rent the person for a while, do that, do Absolutely. this, go on, see you later. Well, every year I gain a lot of weight over the winter months, so maybe when January or February rolls around, I'll be signing up to Debukari and breaking into the <laughs> the world of modelling in Japan. Meanwhile, this week, with the Tokyo Olympics still lim- limbering on, clawing limbering its way, up. it's like the, the Terminator that got shot to pieces but still somehow claws its way towards Sarah Connor. The Tokyo Olympics continues, and they... We, I think we talked about a few weeks ago, they were handing out 160,000 condoms, free condoms to athletes. Mm. Apparently it's a they tradition. They always do, though. Sorry? Yeah, they, they always do. They always they do, do, and yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. um, because, because the, you know, if there's one thing the um, Olympic Athletes Village is known for, it's just wall-to-wall fucking. I do not mind <laughs> uh, turning the air blue with that. They'd, it is just one big orgy because, you know, these people are in peak physical condition and they just, you know, who wouldn't want to? Get down to it well, with absolutely. someone equally as uh, as well um, uh, endowed. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently, it kicked off in like I think 1988 in uh, in Seoul when they did the the Olympics over in South Korea, mm. and they started doing it then. But um, because of the whole COVID thing, though, they've had to do a sort of U turn, right? So originally, the idea was mm. have some condoms, have some fun. But now they don't want to encourage people to have too much fun because of COVID, right? And the messaging is now. Don't actually have sex. Take the condoms home as a gift, like a souvenir. Remember the Olympics. <laughs> Stick them on your head. Take it home. Stick them on your Stick head. On your head. Stick Get them the on British your Airways head. flight back to London. It's, it's kind of baffled a lot of people, though. Like, you know, it's it's uh, it's all of a sudden it's all got a bit silly, and mm. uh, the mixed messaging has baffled everyone. Games organisers have re- belatedly spun the anomaly into a safe sex message. The condoms are not intended for use in the athlete's village, they said. Instead, they're meant to be taken home and used to raise awareness of HIV and AIDS. Um, Organisers were originally planning to provide meals in vast dining halls, but now encouraging athletes to eat and sleep alone. 
it all sounds very grim and uh, depressing for the <laughs> Olympic athletes that do come here. Unfortunately, not great. Yeah, dinner not, alone. A lot of the athletes. Dinner have, alone. A lot of dinner alone. It's a bit miserable, isn't it? It's like Awful. dinner date when you don't get through, or uh, <laughs> when they turn up with a with a prepackaged meal. Um, yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, I guess uh, a lot of the athletes have refused their um, vaccines because they would have come into the age bracket the the allowed your vaccine, but a lot of them are turning it down because obviously that has a performance uh, mm. hit on you, um, and you'd have to get it done pretty early if you just qualify for Tokyo. And I think people are still qualifying now, aren't they? And they, they managed to get through. Um, you know, you, you don't want to take a week off because you've got side effects from from, from the vaccine. So, mm. yeah, it, they are very, very high risk. And it only takes, I think there's a Ugandan official, maybe That's a right, Kenyan yeah. official as well that got, that got, uh, got caught, got caught with COVID. Yeah, two folks from Uganda <laughs> came over and had it. And, you know, that was a disastrous PR moment. Um, it already mm. beleaguered Olympics. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's going to happen, though. It seems to be happening. Or even, even though I think just before we start recording, the uh, the emperor, Naruhito, said he was deeply, I think he was extremely concerned uh, by COVID and the number of cases going up in the face of the Olympics. And it's completely unfounded. Right. It's completely unheard of, sorry, for uh, an emperor to sort of intervene in a sort of political manner because that could be mm. seen to really cause problems for the government already 80 yeah over 80 percent of the japanese population don't want the olympics and they've got the emperor who's like this is this is extremely worrying what's going on you know that's mm. a the even more pressure on the government so and there's still a chance that they might pull the plug at the last minute honestly i don't no, know surely were, not it, surely not they're gonna go for it i don't know Let's put some money on it. Let's let's get camping. <laughs> That's what this podcast should be about. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back with the fax machine after this quick break. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And we're back in the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Dawson? We've got the respectful Josh from Northern New York. Chris and Pete, good day to you both. Your podcasts are keeping me entertained while I'm on my daily jogs and fixing up my first house. Oh, Josh from Northern New York. Good luck with that, mate. Uh, my question comes after discovering a bridge that I would like to visit when I travel to Japan. Have you ever heard of the Eshima Ohashi Bridge, uh, which uh, connects uh, Matsui Shimane Prefecture and uh, Sakai Minato and Totoro Prefecture over Nagumi Lake? Sorry, got there in the end. It is the third largest bridge in in the world and taught a impressive 6.1% grade on the Shimane uh, side and a 5.1 grade on the other over 1.7 kilometres. It looks 
horrific. He's, he's, he's appended a picture. He says, uh, I would certainly love to see an episode of Journey Across Japan 4, beckoning of the bicycle taking place up there. It looks incredibly uh, heavy. It's a heavy, heavy gradient on one side, certainly. Well, I mean, yeah, the Eshima Ohashi Bridge, it's the third largest fixed bridge in Japan. So I think it's it's right. fixed in that it's made out of concrete. But if mm. you, yeah, if you look at it from the right angle, it looks like a cliff, like the ascent of the bridge. It looks almost it looks like, like a cliff. like a GTA um, sort of GTA. Um, level or something. A GTA or like Get one over of those the bridge. levels that people make up themselves, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've often thought about going down there. There's a good few videos on YouTube about it, the Eshima Ohashi Bridge. It's in Shimane, and I was quite near it last week uh, when I did the, the night train, the first-class sleeper train video mm. with Natsuki, and I, I toyed with the idea of going, but then I thought, I think we've seen enough bridges on a in Japan. I don't, I don't think we need any more bridges. <laughs> so I don't, it's, it's a very far-flung backwater of Japan. To get there is like... It's it's a long way to go for a bridge. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where it looks kind of cool on the right right angle, like a video or a photo for a brief moment. But in reality, mm. it's just a bridge, isn't it? It's just a bridge. It's just a bridge. We've got a story here. Destroyed the bridge. Destroyed the bridge on the podcast uh, from Bartos from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And he says, "Hey, Chris and Pete, long time listener and watcher of the YouTube channel. Second time email sender. I quite enjoyed your video about your reasons not to move to Japan. I found it refreshing as an immigrant to Canada. I moved here from Poland when I was ten. Uh, I have a question for both of you. For Chris, one of the most significant things I feel as someone who's emigrated uh, and has returned home to Poland on a few occasions for visits is how my recollection of the country doesn't really match up with reality anymore. Do you feel?" when you go back to the UK that things have changed significantly every time and you feel a little bit out of touch. And for Pete, being from the north of England and having lived in the south, do you find that the divide between the north and south is more or less noticeable as you grow older? Thank you for the song, Too Much Volcano. I bought it. Everyone else should. (laughs) All the best, guys. Bartos from Hamilton. I will hand that to you first. North-South divide. Mm. I mean, he's, he was asking uh, whether whether we're going to have a crack at it, pronounce his name. Would that be Bartosz? Mm, Bartosz? Mm. Ah, I don't know. As I said, I can't. I had a mate who had a similar. He was from Poland, and he. Oh, it's probably something else in it. Probably something else. Uh, yeah, North. Is, I think um, certain parts of the North are obsessed with uh, the North-South divide. Uh, bearing in mind that when people say the North, they should really be talking about Scotland because it's all big one, uh, one big island. But uh, yeah, people from uh, the West Hand side, Manchester, Liverpool, they're obsessed with the North-South divide. Where I'm from, not so much. Uh, you know, the the, the Northeasterners, the the Geordies and the Mackhams and the and the and the um, Pitjakers and the Polies and the all, all my, the rest of them. Uh, they're not as they're not as obsessed as, as from us. my experience people up north are generally friendlier in the uk right they're more friendly that's what they say yeah that's what they that's say what my experience. Know, people just, are more chill but, but it's just london isn't it it's like uh, people sort of come down to london and go oh no one's talking to you on the tube it's like yeah because it's a city and the, <laughs> the the city is frightening and there's always someone screaming someone's always got a knife someone's got you've just got to be a bit more careful all right someone's always got we don't a knife. like to live in a place where we're all chatting to each other some people don't speak english wind your neck in don't worry about it stop worrying about what other people are doing Concentrate on yourself. <laughs> Someone's always got a knife, or Pete Donaldson's got his katana sword, swinging his, yes. his Japanese sword around that and about. Made the move. Did that make it to your move? Is that in your new, that made your the new move, estate? Yeah, yeah. tripping over it every left, right, and centre. Yeah. God. What now a moving company would feel like moving that damn thing? <laughs> what the heck is this? Um, I do notice things in the UK have changed. You notice your high street, you notice all the shops have changed every time you go back. Certainly in the case of the UK, you notice. 
how the high street is dying very quickly when you go back and mm. shops are just gone. But it's the the thing you notice the most is uh, relatives and family and friends, how they age. Like my sort of parents and grandparents have noticeably, you sort of really see how they age in a two-year period uh, dramatically. Yeah. Well, certainly Pete Donaldson. We meet Pete Donaldson after two years. <laughs> the difference is, is just staggering. Um, with his new wacky <laughs> hairstyles each and every time. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's the main thing. Just People just seem different. But uh, I haven't been back to the UK. This is the second longest period of time now that I've not been to the UK. When I first came here, I didn't go back for about two and a half years. Currently, it's been about 18, 19 months. So yeah, I'm, it's going to be really interesting going back to the UK next time. It's always a little bit jarring coming out of Heathrow Airport and then all of a sudden you see shops that you haven't seen in years like marks and spencers or boots or greggs it's always a bit jarring it's like wow greggs i remember greggs reasonably priced sausage rolls so it's it's kind of exciting at first but um it'll be interesting to see i I do miss the uk more than i should because i haven't been back in a while and um Mm. i'm just looking forward to sitting down in a pub somewhere one day when i'm back and just having a nice drink having some cider having a cheese board and having having some ham (laughs) delicious all I want. Uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming into a Brawn Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days, guys, to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, go and buy too much volcano. Let's keep it going up the iTunes charts. But for now, guys, have a good one. See you soon. Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com